Ah, so loud. I'm a public scatter. <laughs> Welcome to a perfectly acceptable AS Scatcast. MR Scatcast. Talk about comics. <laughs> and the comings and goings of lives. You'll have to park Django easy. I mean, Shishito's have pepper and cheese and yogurt. As I'm not stretching them through No, no Susan in sight, you could say. No Susie cream cheese. You got you got Susie yogurt legs. <laughs> sorry, 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 I lost the tone. No, 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 that's okay. Get away, get away, get, get away from this tone. It sounds too much like some NPR late night programming. <laughs> Just tickle the screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, skiddly dap bap These three dudes. The sins of the comics place. Episode 285, The Sins of the Comics Place. Welcome in, everyone. <laughs> it's the Comics Place Presents, the perfectly civil podcast. Episode 285, The Sins of the Comics Place, where every week we get into a rut and we do bad things to get out of it. And sometimes those things involve bad stuff. And I don't even know how to be this guy. You're, you're, um, just, you're, just, you're just trying so hard not to say butt, aren't you? Yeah, I was. I was going to do something about in in a butt or out of a butt or butt stuff, but I shouldn't because this is an adult podcast, but it's comic books. So it's not blue. All right. It's adult, but it's not blue. Uh, where every week we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comics that we read in the comic shop that we own. The, the com- comic shop that we own the comics and comics is a good moment and the comings and goings of our lives it's an organized official way that three buddies can put their little triangularly shaped heads together into a pattern that finally makes sense so really it's a thing of beauty and if you're here 285 episodes and you understand that uh i am always jeff i am still Django. Um, I'm, I guess I'll be Roman. Nice. I like how we all put our differences aside for this podcast thing. Sometimes and, it bleeds uh, in. Don't get me up, wrong. Mix them up. Sometimes they're stronger. They're louder when we put them aside in one spot. Sometimes they bleed in, Django. Sometimes I say there. some horrible things. Did you say yeast? Yeah, you, you make like a loaf of bread out of our differences. Okay. And it's okay. denser. It rises. And... It's bigger. And you like that we put our differences aside for the sake of what is it that we're doing that we're putting the those differences aside for? So that when we uh, uh, disagree about a comic book, we have fresh differences. Oh, rather okay, than like, okay. Like I have a really hard time with that mole that you've got, uh, like on on your shoulder. It's fresh differences. Never really, yeah. Fre- we we make so, fresh different, fresh baked differences you, once. Okay, a week. okay. No, no. So Django, Django. Yeah. Fresh differences. Or, wait, new differences. Sounds... New di- was that what you said? New differences? I said fresh differences. But... Fresh differences. I think that's the name of the podcast. That, fresh differences. That, that also sounds like a like a sanitary pad commercial. Okay. Well, it ha- I can't keep fresh putting gold on a platter and having your brain's inability to make anything not associated with poop and pads and bloods and kerms and babies. Like it's all okay, Django. So is it me or is it you? Thank right. you for that fresh difference, Jeffrey. Fresh differences. Today, 
<laughs> See, and listen, that was a little bit of my differences bleeding in, and I'm sorry, okay? Because you know what? We put those differences aside because here yeah. on Fresh Differences, all fresh, all we're baking time. something beautiful, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's yeast this cake. We're going to talk about a variety of comics this week, but before we get into those comics, we're going to answer this email or really just say hi to one of our favorite people in the world, William oh, Elmer. Answering emails now? Hello and happy episode 285. Also happy Kevin Smith week with both the launch of Clerks 3 in theaters as well as Kevin Smith's new line of comics starting this week. I just wanted to ask, what are all y'all's favorite comics that good old Silent Bob has written? Snoochie Boochies will. Well, this is going to be an interesting smattering of answers. I mean, I'll bet that I bet I could list every comic that he's written, right? He did the Clerks books, then he did Daredevil. Then he did the two Batman, the Whiting Gyre and Cacophony. Cacophony. And he did Green Arrow before that. What else has he done? I don't think he's done a ton since the Batman books, right? I I honestly really liked all of his superhero stuff. Yeah, I, I um I haven't read his Daredevil run. Um oh, excellent. So I would say his Batman stuff. I'll be honest, I don't love any of his comics um but i don't dislike them i think cacophony is the most straight ahead i didn't necessarily love Mm -hmm. the tone and widening gyre like it got a little kevin smithy which i love kevin smith yeah but i don't know how well i think that works blended with like a batman Um, i think daredevil's probably my top yeah comic i do do need to read that I, i haven't read that chunk of daredevil era roman what are you i'm looking up what comics he wrote um Jeez, he did the Bionic Man. What the hell? Uh, oh, that's right. and like, didn't he do like a Green <laughs> Hornet one? Yep. Wow, yep. he did. It was yeah, going to be Green based Hornet. on the movie that he was writing for it. Yeah. Um. But I remember liking his Daredevil run, but now I can't remember any of them except, oh, he killed Karen Page. Yeah, um, and he had Mysterio in it at some point. And yeah. Angels yeah. and Devils and a dead baby. Mm. And Whoa. I'd yeah, say, it was brutal. Yeah. I'd say probably Whining, Whining Geyer and Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before we dip on out of this question, uh, Django, you and Will and Sean and Will's wife, Sarah, we all went and saw Clerks 3 the other night. Yeah. What did you think of it? Man, I was afraid this was going to come up because I think you and I like different aspects of Kevin Smith. Well, I guess I mostly am curious because I wouldn't think that you liked it that much, but you also laughed out loud quite a few times. Like, yeah, it's good to have Thor, a laugh counter sitting near you. Thor, I mean, just like, I was just like, surprised when it happened um yeah i think i i think he's funny i think he tells some good jokes i think that that movie was and this is going to sound harsher than i mean it to but i think that after that uh jay and silent bob reboot this one felt really redundant Uh and unnecessary um and just kind of masturbatory and up its own ass yeah um that said i liked i liked watching it um it it wasn't really until I pulled out and saw the meta side of Ew. things that it uh, it kind of bothered me. I think that Train Spotting did a much better job of going back to the well than this did. Um, and I've never really, probably after Clerks, I don't think I've watched a movie of his that I believed people were speaking as people and not as scripted devices to move a plot along and that was only the first movie he ever did so that's a that's a bad trek record he's got for you yeah and 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 that (laughs) said i think that he writes really good comics and really solid comic book dialogue and i'm sure i've mentioned on the podcast before like his movies always make me feel like the characters are reading a comic book out loud which Mm -hmm. is not how you're supposed to really interact with comics i mean it's yeah (laughs) i i would agree and 
I think that's one of the downsides of kind of working with a cast that you've been working with since the beginning, because yeah. at the beginning <laughs> of that movie, I was like, well, these guys still can't really act. So let's see how this is going to go. Like <laughs> on the one hand, you're like, it's cool that we've got the original cast. They're not great actors. Yeah. Um, Rosario Dawson was, was great. Like she, she delivered was awesome. her lines fine. And I think Dante, like when he did get worked up, I do think that they did actually, he did some pretty good acting. Um, like two thirds of the way, three quarters of the way through the movie. Yeah. Um, it made the, it made me cry too. So like, yeah, he made he made a movie that elicited all of the emotions that I think he wanted me to feel. I just have a hard time getting over his dialogue. I would, yeah, I I I I agree with that. Not that we're agreeing or disagreeing or whatever, but I I, I that's a, that's a sentiment I do. I don't have a hard time getting past it, but at the beginning of it, I was like, am I going to be, is this going to be? And I think it's the one pretty quickly. <laughs> um, I would give it a 10 out of 10. I don't think that it probably stands super, super well outside of, you know, people who love his body of work, but there were so many subtle and hidden nods to all of his movies in there that it was, the, I, I do think you're, you mentioned masturbatory. I could totally see that um, because on the one hand, it's like, does this story need to be told? And it's like, no, it doesn't. But also, <clears throat> dude really likes these characters. So yeah. like, it's a dude just really wants and to he's... like visit these characters and play with them with his friends. And like, that's 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 a pretty good reason to do things. But I don't think, as I was watching, I was like, I don't think this would stand for anybody outside of people who've seen and like all of the movies. Um, yeah, I was kind of thinking about that. I That particular movie might have been just as enjoyable to me if yeah. I wasn't, irritated that we were watching the movie again sort of you know yeah I, I don't i don't know because I, I could never know that i also can't think of a movie franchise that has done that elegant well elegant but that i really like the ouroboros nature of it like yeah he made the movie clerks which made him make the movie clerks 2 and then he made the movie clerks 3 and in clerks 1 he was kind of those characters and then in clerks 3 he was the, the different characters making the mood like anyway it was just this very like everything precipitated the thing before it and there's like yeah. no real clear beginning part I, I really i thought that was some pretty interesting meta storytelling but i like I him as a know... creator more than as a final creation most of the time yeah yeah if i didn't just like him so much i would probably be more critical of his art but i just like him so much so you give it a 10 i give it a 10 no like i know old bar 10 for sure I, I, I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah. That's pretty it, nice. It probably would have been a, it, it would have been a seven, but he, he hit some real emotional notes for me. And I, I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll give him an extra point for that. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, all right. Well, that brings us to the main, the, and Roman, you're a huge Kevin <clears throat> Smith fan. What's your favorite Kevin Smith movie? I know you're a big um, fan. Actually, it probably is. It probably is Clerks. Yeah. Cause I thought it was so. the last Kevin Smith movie I saw was whatever the Jane Santa Bob reboot was mm -hmm. or the, where they end up going a couple years ago. Um, and I remember watching it and thinking, boy, even though I've seen, I think, almost all of Kevin Smith's movies, I've only seen them like once, except for Clerks. So I don't remember anything about him. And watching that reboot, I, I was thinking, boy, I bet this would be great for people that know those movies by heart. I've seen them all, but I don't remember anything about Chasing Amy or, or yeah. Mall Rats. So yeah, none of the jokes. Because none of and no, so none of the jokes worked for me. But yeah, I even saw Yoga Hosers. I mean, <laughs> that's the only one I haven't seen. That and Jersey Girl. No, it um, sucks. Jersey Girl does. No, no, Yoga Hosers. Oh, I give yeah, it two yeah, st okay. two stars. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I want to see it. Sean Sean describes it as cute, and that's probably a nice word to use if it's not that great. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna talk about comics, and that's why you're here. That's why we're here. 
again, outside of the weird triangle shape that the three of our perfectly puzzle piece like heads form when they are together. Boys, I love you. Let's get into this. We're going to talk this week about Dark Spaces Wildfire number two and three. We're going to talk about 10,000 Black Feathers, Batman versus Robin, Travu Cavolt number two, Love Everlasting number two, and Masquerade number one, a Kevin Smith joint. Uh, we're going to do some Buck Sheezies at some point in here. That'll be fun, I bet. But uh, <laughs> on a large on a large week of comic books, like a big, it was a big week. I'm still on top of my stack. It was a big, big yeah. butt week of comics, which is rad. Um, I read issues two and three of Dark Spaces Wildfire by Scott Snyder, Hayden Sherman, and Rhonda Pattison because you had really enjoyed Dark Spaces Wildfire number two. I think both of you yeah. um, and like number three a lot. So I, I totally had intended to be reading it. We um, sat down in both of those today, which was a cool. It was nice to get to read them back to back because they are kind of quick reads, all things considered. Yeah. So I guess to recap, what did you think of the cliffhanger at the end of number two? I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. They go into this house, they're partying and trying to steal these bitcoins or something, and um, and they go into a room like the wine cellar and they find a dead body wrapped up in there. But it's and, like a hor a horrifically murdered dead body, right? Yeah. Like. I thought it was going to be monster shit or like Island of Dr. Moreau in the basement there uh -huh. from that last panel. Yeah, it was just a pretty grotesque murder that they came across. And then issue three is them kind of deciding what they're going to do with all of that. Uh, with the, basically, yeah, you know, that that changes the plan of everything. So three is then, OK, what are we doing? There's a dead body here. Do we bail? Do we get it? And it's them kind of deciding the whole time. And then there's a pretty big cliffhanger here, which is there on their way out. But it looks like there's like a cop SWAT team coming up the hill to this house. Hayden Sherman. Hayden Sherman, dude. Roman, what do, what, do, what do you, you like? You're liking this book. You you would suggested starting off the episode with these. I am. I'm really, I'm really <clears> digging <throat> this book. Though I think at the end, I don't think those are. Swatters. I don't think they're, well, maybe they're cops. I don't think they're a, a legitimate okay force <laughs> you think they're bad boys though? i think they're yeah i think they're bad boys uh -oh. Uh -oh. but yeah this, uh, yeah what I are mean, you liking about it god what don't i like about it this issue i mean the first few pages it's all amazing with just design wise with the each of our characters kind of showing flashbacks to their past within these awesomely designed different shaped panels that are cascading out from each other or into each other depending on how you look at it um and it's just pretty amazing and it's super efficient with the text on those panels too yeah yeah it tells you a lot with very little on those yeah i, I think i mean imagine if some other comic if they hadn't done it this way it would have taken like half the book yeah to get that information out yeah, yeah there's like a jh williams quality to those panels like those pages because like they're hardly you know singular panels they're like you can't, the whole it's the whole page is a piece of art um like you know it all kind of functions together and i really really like that yeah those yeah. first four pages there and i really like that you know i always dig this in any comic i mean we'll get to that with true cult too but when it talks about something that's so specific within a job and tells you like in here when they're <laughs> talking about the oh the flash fire or whatever yeah um, yeah flash over and just you know educating you about something like i always appreciate that and later when we get to the flashback story of um, their leader, what's Ma, Ma uh, yeah. their leader and just the way they're not even panels. It just kind of is flames and smoke that coalesces into a flashback of her past and her big traumatic instance and the horrible thing that happened. And it's so well done. Um, 
and then you turn the page and it's mostly black <laughs> yeah yeah it's so impressive yeah the uh the paneling in this is just spectacular and the horror of being in this situation i think really translated well yeah and the colors are great Who, who's coloring this yeah the colors are great and kind of unique you're, you're seeing some like pinks and light greens and stuff and like some of these pages like in issue two had some like really interesting yeah. coloring in in the pages i totally agree Rhonda patterson nope that's yeah. the letter okay no oh, no hey. that's the colorist Hayden Christensen. Hayden Sherman Hayden is the artist. Is... Oh. oh, you're right. Snyder wrote Skywalker. it. Hayden Sherman drew it. Rhonda, Rhonda Patterson. Um, and yeah, the, she... the, the, the fucking wine bottles on that first page. Dude, the final page <laughs> in issue cow. number two with that reveal, I think does that same thing, but even better in that, that sort of... Uh, when you see a bunch of things like line up with oh, slightly yeah. differing degrees and it becomes these like large patterns. But um, yeah, Django, you had mentioned after issue two that you just thought that there's some really interesting storytelling going on here i think probably you're speaking about the art specifically and i totally agree i think the storytelling in this paneling like you identified is fantastic um the art itself is really interesting like he's mm -hmm. doing a lot of like pencil like brush strokes all over everything i think we talked about our nation number one but the comparison i would make is like mixing ian bertram and uh oh i forget the other person but the yeah oh the, the... ramon villalobos and yep and him like these it's just this two really interesting styles that are unique that i i like a lot um the characters are all kind of androgynous with that style uh it's it's just a really interesting i haven't seen many people drawn look at like that look at the noise on the floor on the on the panel where the person gets shot mm -hmm. like just the visual the soot and the blood and yeah. like that is that just makes that that page look so much more visceral and dirty. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I really like this guy. Yeah, and I really Scott like Snyder's, this guy. Scott Snyder's doing something slightly different from what he usually does, and I like. I usually like him, but I really like this one. Yeah, it it is some of the least overtly Scott Snyder writing I've read of his. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think the one thing in it that I don't love quite so much is like reading these back to back, his narration, he kind of gets into that. I mean, we already mentioned the word masturbatory tonight, but like there's times where like we're getting really into these kind of long explanations about things that um, I don't know. It, it felt almost like verbal noise outside of the story, like all the yeah. FUs. And it almost always like, isn't it kind of cute that FU is flare up also, but it's also a way of saying like when something goes wrong, it's like a fuck you. And right. I'm like, okay, cool. We're writing FUs a lot in this. I can't remember if that is issue two or three. And um, just like the really kind of long boxes of yeah. text in these, not, not that it was too much text. Cause I think they're paced really, really well, but it, it was disconnected enough that, um i just felt kind of disjointed in it but i still think they were really really good uh and it's it yeah it's it's interesting to see scott snyder working a little bit outside of his normal yeah yeah i'm i'm digging it a lot i would give it probably uh nine and a half i said 9.0 for the two that i read yeah 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 i'd give it a I'd give it a nine and a half at least yeah Ooh, at least a nine and a half that sounds like yeah. it could almost be a it could almost be a 10 tangent could be a 10 whoa except is for the back it? cover because it's glossy black and it's melty and you can see those fingerprints all over it yeah. which is appropriate it should be melting it's because of fire i do miss when they all ate candy fire, cigarettes fire. though i liked that fire yeah that was beavis awesome. and butthead fire have you guys been watching the new beavis and butthead show Roman yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure <am. laughs> it's good to see court it's good Rock to see court holy back yeah i love oh, yeah. Beavis and butthead. yeah I watched the movie the other day too. 
Which one? The new one? Yeah, Beavis and Butthead save the universe or something. Oh yeah, well they're Watchers. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Is that are they like actually referencing the Watchers in Marvel? They better be, or they just <laughs> created what Jack Kirby created years ago. <laughs> um, you guys want to move it right along to another kind of spooky book that we all read this week? I can, I could do some more spooky. Okay, talk to me about spooky, Django. Light the match on my face. 10,000 Black Feathers, number one, by Jeff Lemire, Andrew Sorrentino, with, of course, Dave Stewart. This is... Uh, I, I think, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, Django. I think we should do the entire title, though. The Bone Orchard Mythos. Bone Orchard Mythos. 10,000 Black Feathers. Number one. Cover A. Cover Sorrentino. A. <laughs> you mean to read you the barcode? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh so this is a woman going back to where she went to high school she was a writer she's got something that's freaking her out um from the title we can assume and probably from some very subtle things in the art like drawings of the thing itself we can assume that what's freaking her out is feathers probably about ten thousand of them a lot of feathers uh and she she goes back to visit the mother of her best friend from grade school and her best friend is uh dead and she's staying with the mom and spooky things happen and i thought this was a really nice kind of slow study in these characters and i'm really interested in in what's what we're going to learn from about the uh the best friend and just kind of what happens in between when they're nine and when they're 30. yeah i think it used a cold open really well Mm -hmm. in this like it you know kind of did this abrupt flashback page and then it flashes forward many years for one panel and then we jump to the present day and it does that thing where you get so then engrossed in the story that by two-thirds of the way through you almost kind of forgot that first two pages Mm -hmm. thing and um and yeah just it all links together the questions that it poses are almost answered while you're reading it if you remember those first couple pages and I, i i like that very much and i liked i mean again i thought this stood out really well as a book that could have been the first issue of something, but it also is connected to that hardcover they put out. Right. By the presence of like when, you know, like in the bottom of that well with that lighthouse, that hole that, you know, like there is the statue and like the Lord of 10,000 feathers or whatever has the yeah. same appearance as this thing here. And yeah, but I, th- I think it's yeah. okay with or without it. Exactly. Yeah. But I, as I'm flipping through it here, when she does show up at her best friend's mom's house in the present day, and she's like drinking beer or something, the mm-hmm. beer cans are beer lighthouse oh, and lighthouse it shows beer. a lighthouse which seems reminiscent of the lady on the lighthouse that pushed that lady into that hole or the guy into that hole in the hardcover yep. and i don't know if this lady is that lady or not maybe yeah. is maybe not like i like i really like the overall way that they're exploring telling this mythos really which is like through different stories roman what'd you think of it wow i hadn't thought of that 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 Terry is the mom here. If she's the uh, the lighthouse keeper, I'd go check. But I brought so, all yeah, of that wonder, bookshelf yeah, to my I new house. I I really like this, and I really love the fact, and it's pretty amazing because I had to check the credits because when we get to the flashback scenes, I thought it was a different artist. Yeah, yeah. but no, it's it's uh, it's uh, Andrea. Um, and I and actually, I, it's funny. I really like having his two different art styles mm-hmm. in the same book because I got to admit, I'm I'm actually getting a little tired of his amazing as it has been his old art style mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's and it's appropriate it's so dark but i'm kind of gotten over it now so here's here's a question other than the shadows that are ever present in his normal stuff 
Her, her normal stuff? His normal stuff. Do we solve this mystery already? I think it's a man, Probably. but I'll, I'll solve it right now while you're talking. Um, yeah, I thought it was a guy. I don't know. Roman, I, I don't know that it's a different art style. It might just be different colors. Is that and, all it is? And, and like not shading everything in completely, which I guess is technically a different art style because there's usually such heavy, heavy shadows in their art. But like, yeah, looking at these faces and stuff, I could see it being the same, same artist with just very, very different colors. So it is a man. Um, okay. And yeah, through him working with Jeff Lemire has been interesting because we had, I had, you know, we had seen his art and stuff like Green Arrow with Jeff Lemire, I guess, mm-hmm. back like when Rebirth, New 52? New 52. I don't even know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was seemed like in Gideon Falls, like when they went into the Black Lodge, that was the first time we had seen them do this thing you're describing, basically turning the lights on in their art. And then when they did Primordial together recently, there was like on the other side of the black hole or whatever, you know, like the dogs and the monkeys, like right. all had the light turned on as well. And then in here, it's interesting to see the flashback. Like, yeah, like it is. It is too, t- you know, I it is. It's pretty different. It's pretty different. I don't think it is just the lights turned on. Like if you compare this pictures of these kids with like this shadowy old lady smoking, it feels a lot more <laughs> not photo referency but like almost photo almost like photoshop filters versus drawn stuff i don't know like i've always felt like the lights on style seems way more like you can see their lines maybe it is totally different but it's almost like a little bit in the frank quietly yep realm of things um yeah. could just be the dave stewart colors or something but all, I, also they're just yeah it's, it's it's an interesting question they're incredibly versatile regardless yeah yeah it's it's gorgeous art and when it's spooky, it's real spooky. And it's got some of that cool paneling in it that we saw in uh, Gideon Falls and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I So, J- Roman, you're saying you are maybe getting a little tired of the art style. Does that, um, or, or maybe you're finding yourself preferring the lights on and stuff. D- did that, like, weigh into your appreciation of this story? Like, did it, you know, you I, know, I started yeah. it kind of with, you know, a little bit of trepidation just because I was like, oh, it's another going to be another dark, shadowy sorrentino book um and i was really i I enjoyed it more because of the contrast between the light and dark art um with the flashbacks that that really uh drew me into the story more than i think it would have otherwise yeah i agree and you mentioning it is causing me to think about it which is one of the reasons i love talking to people about stuff and i don't know it's yeah, I mean, we're we're putting our differences aside and having fresh differences. And the fresh baked difference, you know, I'm finding is that like, I always think about how much I like their art. But now that I'm thinking about it, it's actually not necessarily like the shadowy dark art that I love. It's actually the like, the unique flares that they do in that art, like all the paneling that is feathers or red lines within like, they do a lot of experimental stuff in that kind of dark and shadowy art. Not that they don't in the lights on stuff. But it's all I mean, that's probably what i like more about his art than just the kind of atmospheric yeah. shadowy faces and stuff because there's you know old diodato for that yeah yeah i agree it's the paneling that i particularly like about his yeah stuff. yeah even that first page like who thinks to do panels in concentric circles like that yeah it's wild it, and it pulls you through in a really interesting way and it, it forces things to be cropped in an interesting way I think that these two have been nonstop experimenting with the medium through the four books that they've done. And like that sort of concentric circles outline thing is like, I was like, yeah, no one except for him before, you know, like, which is just like, he's, I love that they've been kind of breaking the mold and and doing that. I think uh, Chris Burnham, didn't he do it in the Batman for sure? Batman. Batman, Yeah. 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 For sure. In the ink, ink stuff. Good pull Roman. Good tug. You're so good at the tug. You yanked that right out. Dragged it over here. I love it, tugging. 
It is my highest score of the week. I am going 9.5 on that one. Uh, Dark Spaces got the nine from me. I'm going to give this one a nine. Yeah, I want. I just wish that everything Jeff Lemire will ever write was already published so that I could just read it all. Was that an all red joke? Nope. (laughs) You love the all red. I gave it. I gave it a. I'll give it a nine. Sure. Hell yeah. Okay. Okay. E five nine. Okay. Well, then let's pull a Muppets and move right along here. Okay. Let's talk about Batman versus Robin number one by Mark Wade and Muhammad Osrar. Um, Mark Wade. Mark Wade, who wrote Batman and Superman, and is currently still you know still writing them, but had a great run on that just recently. Um, this is the start of a mini series that's dealing with a lot of the stuff that Robin's been up to with Alfred having died and going to the like Al Ghul Lazarus place to get some vial of that stuff, deciding not to revive Alfred. Um, and then at the beginning of this, Alfred comes back. We'd heard spoilers about that. Roman Django. Hey, Django. Huh? Is it okay with you if, if I just get Roman? What did you think of this? What did you think of this? What did you, um, as a as a Batman and Robin fan, and as a Mark Wade fan, a Wadesman, a Wadesman, a Wade writer. I loved it when I actually opened the cover. I didn't realize I didn't I didn't really look at the credits. I didn't know it was Mark Wade till I started it, and then I got real excited. Um, I really liked it. I mean, I'm I haven't been reading the Robin book, and it still seems a little silly to me that he's maybe his grandpa's controlling him, but it seems a little silly to me that he's so dead set against his dad now Uh um, just because that's so different from his characterization that we love in the Morrison run. Um, But again, I haven't been reading Robin or Titan, so I don't know what's going on with Damien, but I love the rest of this. And I'm a little shocked. I actually didn't know Alfred was coming back this issue. And I'm still kind of like, is he really back? Is this really Alfred back? I mean, that's the question, right? Yeah. And apparently I forget what was the excuse they used for him coming back. We don't really know yet. Right. It's just kind of like magic, right? Yeah. Cause Damien is somehow, controlling and corrupting all magic in the dcu so that includes alfred coming back to life i don't think damien is isn't it the devil nazir or whatever neza neza oh yeah i guess it is neza who he's controlling robin and also harry potter in this uh yeah timothy timothy Timothy. and then who's the other guy that's that they're fighting with um jakeen thunder he was uh the modern johnny version of johnny thunder that jeff johns introduced in his run on justice society Okay. And he says so cool, and that's his phrase. Oh, right. Yeah, and he keeps the thunderbolt and the magic pen. Okay. I I really like the imagination of um the dude riding the dinosaur and fighting Bruce. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and I like the disembodied costumes beating up Batman. I, I an awesome conceit. Roman, I felt like it was kind of a weird voice for Batman for someone who I consider to be as good at writing Batman as I think Mark Wade is. And I don't know if I just got kind of inundated with feeling like everyone's voice was off because Damien was possessed the whole time. Um, and Bruce was dealing with this surprised situation because like Alfred's back. But it just felt like um, Wade is somebody kind of like Jeff Johns who I consider to just have like such a lock on the voices of these characters and the Batman didn't, it just didn't, I felt like it, well, it didn't feel like it was super confidently written as Batman. Like it, it just, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just curious. Did you pick up any of that? Was I just confused? Did, did, um, I thought, I thought Bruce's best scenes are with Alfred, like in the kitchen. Right. And the way Bruce is, kind of testing alfred um i thought those were great those were very batman um yeah during the fight with damien i i I don't know i didn't notice it 
super on the surface, but I guess there is, I was kind of thinking, you know, he, 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 I don't know. He doesn't seem, I don't know, compassionate. And yeah, it's Batman. So of course he doesn't seem compassionate, but I don't know. I feel like he would have had some more compassion toward, I mean, Damien's his biological son. I mean, he considers, little... all, considers all the Robins his sons, but Damien right. especially is. Just lines like magic can be annoying. I can't fight it without help. You know, it's just like magic can yeah, be that's... annoying. Like that's a that's a I don't I don't know. It was just sort of like wipe the dust off. I don't know. You're good at writing Batman, but I and, and maybe it's more yeah. that this felt like a thing that was written almost Mark Wade or not. Like the editorial was like, this story needs to happen. You write this thing. Like maybe it felt like Yeah, that 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 line particularly it is it's a lazy line, and especially after and Mark Wade knows the history. I mean, Batman's worked with magic users. Lots. He wouldn't bother saying a line like that, probably. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that that's, I think, what I said to Django. Maybe it was somebody else uh, too old to Django there. And I think that I, I was just like, it seems like a lazy Mark Wade or like kind of just a half-assed Mark. I don't know. But also the whole event seems kind of like a contrived thing to me. But that's splitting hairs. Like, I, I did like it overall. Um, and I really liked the Zatanna stuff. Like, that was dark, and I liked where that was going. Um, Dude, yeah. the demon caught between transformation yeah yeah is horrifying <laughs> yeah that whole bit yeah. was so cool and like the history of john and john constantine and uh swamp thing and and them in this weird symbiosis situation like i i want to i all i want from this series is the panel where they're released and i want to see what shitty thing john says to swamp thing <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and but... we got to see eclipso a trapped eclipso uh, when when Robin's looking at the oh that's who the that artifacts was. Cool. I got excited I was hoping okay. that this would be an Eclipso story but turns out it's yeah. uh, from the pages of Batman Superman World's Finest and that's yeah I don't know and also maybe that's another thing I'm feeling is just like I'm I'm excited to see it well Roman is the Devil Neza a thing that appeared before World's Finest if it is I I don't remember it I I'm excited for Mark Wade to be waist deep in some DC history stuff. You know, like yeah. he's he's like Jeff Johns or Grant Morrison to me in that, like he knows it all. And I'm excited to see him threading that stuff together. Whereas in this, it's like, OK, here's this new demon bad guy that kind of travels time and space and is magical. And I, I also maybe I just don't love magic in my Batman stories. I don't know. I'm not well, I'm not trying to dump on it. Well, I think he's going to do do both. I mean, yeah, the last page I was disappointed. It's like, oh, it's that new devil dude from Wade's other Batman title. Um but the fact all the stuff laying artifacts laying around at his feet, I was like, oh, well, he's holding Shazam's cape and Fate's helmet. And so it's like all of magic. Yeah, there's the the tunic hat. Yeah, the tunic of uh, I forget his name. The Hawkwind, I think, or something like that. Uh, no, that's, that's a good a, name. That's a 70s band. Hmm. <laughs> um, no, I can't remember his name. He was one of the guys in uh, Infinity Incorporated, and the son of Hawkman and somebody. Well, but I was like, oh, yeah, Blue Devil's Triton. I was like, okay, he's, he's going to weave in all this obscure DC history. Yeah, yeah I just, you know, uh, I'm excited to feel at home in a Batman story. I, I, I was just thinking in the last two weeks of reading, you know, like this one, also the recent issue of like Chip Zdarsky's Batman run from last week. And uh -huh. like we talked, like when does a Batman, like when does a story feel like, you look at things like Long Halloween and Year One and Dark Knight Returns and Hush and Black Mirror even more recently. And there are these stories that live as these kind of iconic 12 issue things. And um, I think those happen a little bit less now at almost or they feel like they're written specifically to be a standalone paperback but like that era where like 
amazing maxi series were like coming out of ongoing series or like amazing right. like and just like what that felt like and and do things feel like that anymore and can they even or like what is different about the feel of writing a story like that than you know like I, the chips that are batman in particular maybe think about it i think the difference is you can have familiar characters with unfamiliar problems but as soon as you have unfamiliar characters and unfamiliar problems then it's it's a harder thing to really get into yeah that's an right? that's, i think that's a, a well so like hush that's just like we're really comfortable in that world and Batman is the one who's uncomfortable with what's going on. Like Batman has to solve this mystery and we're along for the procedural aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. But and... with, with this, it's like, okay, I don't like Alfred's back, Batman with magic, this devil who was imported from a time long ago in a different series that maybe we read and maybe we didn't like there's a mystery in here, but then everything else is screwy. So we don't have, a touchstone or even like you look at something like mark wade's jla and like the tower of babel came out of that um you know or like that era where like people would be writing runs for long enough that like you could have iconic stories you know like yeah. rock of ages and morrison's or tower of babel and you know wade's or i, I don't know roman is any of that making sense it's just a weird like they kind of it, it feels a little different and I, I kind of want that feeling of like great stories being told in long runs to be coming out again. Hmm. I wonder. Uh, so how many issues is this? Do you know? I, I don't know. And that, that thought wasn't necessarily springboarding directly off of this series outside of just oh. like, you know, it, it's connected because Wade is so good at those back in the day. But yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that this, uh, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. Sorry. I keep on getting distracted by the, I was looking at the page where, Satan is using her magic and whatever the devil Neza or whatever um, turns her magic against her. And I just thought all like Django mentioned, all the traps in this are so good. Yeah, they yeah. are. Cause I mentioned before on the podcast, how it annoys me how Zatanna is a lot of times not written very well uh -huh. because she can make anything happen. If she says it backwards, if she says Superman explode, he does. <laughs> right. I mean, what are the limits of her power? Can she end the universe by saying, universe dies and it happens um yeah and so a good writer has to figure out okay how do i use the tana how do i take her out of the equation so she just doesn't end the story right now right and i thought well this is a clever way to do it i mean she's told to hang herself and then she does i mean but she's still talking for a little while through magic but i just love all the traps in this i'm looking yeah, forward I, to more of right. that they they yeah and, and he's a great scientific mind as well as a big continuity mind so i, I can't wait for it i just uh we just sort of, I'm always kind of thinking about this current era of comics that we're in at any given moment and how it feels and relates to that which came before. What well, were your writers, scores for this? Sorry, Django. Writers end up with undefined long runs on things now. Mm -hmm. And they seem to try to do an outline and have a beginning, middle, and, and an end to this story that they have. And if you're Tom King and you get told you have 100 issues and you got a beginning, middle, and end that you have to compress. But if you're Jimmy TIV and you get told you have seven issues, then you have to expand it. So I think it's a lot harder for that model of writing to allow for something like Hush, where they're like, hey, Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, you've got 12 issues, go. Uh, yeah. Azarello and Rousseau, you got six issues. Give us a broken city. You know, like those those books in the past, these flagship books have kind of spent long runs being sort of anthologies for different creators, and that doesn't seem to be what's going on as much anymore. Right, and that's a good point. And and 
And then you had something like, you know, Morrison or Wade on Justice League, and they got to be able years. to do that for a long time. And so then you get these things that can be pulled out. Like Tom King's run, I think of it as Tom King's run. In 10 years, we might think of it as like, you people might say like, oh yeah, the war of jokes and riddles, right? Like at least he had kind of a standalone Maybe. arc yeah. epic that was in there. And even but when those guys were doing time. it, they weren't doing it for trade paperbacks exactly. and for exactly. omnibuses, right? So they right. could do bite-sized stories and yeah. assume that most people were reading periodicals instead of trade. Yeah. I yeah, would give this a seven. Yeah. Roman, what about you? I would give this actually 9.5. Oh, yeah. I went 8, 8.5, kind of in that middle area. Um, excited to see what he does. I'm excited for Robin to be written as Damien and not like a possessed Damien. Like yeah. that, that I think yeah. was kind of a turnoff for me throughout the entire thing. Um, Cause I want Damien and Bruce and Alfred to sit down. Give me that moment. Right. <laughs> um, hey guys, take me to the Travu Cavolt lane. Travu Cavolt? Travu Cavolt, you say from IDW, uh, Lana, oh, Liana Kengis is the artist and co-creator and Scott by Brian Wilson is the writer and co-creator. That's interesting that the artist gets credited first. Um, most of this issue is the transportation. I guess the first half of this issue deals with the transportation of the two main characters who got kidnapped in the first issue. And then the back half is them uh, being pitched the idea of joining this cult by the cult leader or the uh, like a higher up in the cult. And that's all interspliced with the woman who was working at the burger place, Burger Lord. Um, she's trying to figure out what happened to them because they just kind of vanished. And the joke in this is kind of that the, the woman that he was interviewing in the last issue when they got kidnapped is along for the ride. And he's, he's trying to like, they've got hoods put on their heads and they're thrown in a van and he's like, okay, all right. So we turned right out of the parking lot. So that means that we're on this street and there's only one way they can, okay. Yeah. Now we turned left. So I know what road we're on and he's trying to figure out where they're going and where they're going to end up. And the entire time she thinks that they're still being interviewed and she's just rattling on and on and on and on and on about the challenges that drive through and the, you know, what happens if you don't have enough buns for your day and like all this very deep grease trap chronicles of uh, how, how it, it is to work in a burger joint. And uh, I thought, it, I thought it was pretty funny. I thought that the mystery that the the woman from the restaurant was solving was done in an interesting way. Like she was very methodical about it. And then she's also running a restaurant at the same time. So you've got like this kind of retail versus mystery thing going on that I thought was pretty cool. Um, and I don't remember what it was now, but something in this made me laugh out loud in my backyard is the only comic that did that to me this week. What, what did you think, Roman? Um, I think I loved all the same things you did. Um, I, I mean, yeah, there's a mystery going on here, but that's, really just secondary to me i love the 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 kind of loser but smart and very specific ways main character yeah um and i love all like in the beginning of the book when he's talking about you know movies and things that what's supposed to flash through your mind before you think you're going to die and what flashes through his is some just completely fascinating and weird encounter he had one day working at the burger lord counter and it's it's just something it's i could see this in a in a movie um just such an entertaining little anecdote and ends so well because he's just this is stupid why am i thinking of that this this actually this was the book that we talked about last time where i was thinking like it, it's it might be helpful to think of a director directing this movie rather than mm. you know just reading it as a comic and halfway through this one i was like oh this is totally a coen brothers movie yeah 
just like the dialogue <laughs> and the way that they're bouncing between each other and the just the totally oddball characters in very grounded situations um really yeah. felt like a coen brothers thing to me yeah and some of the just i mean it's not it's not a distraction it's not it's not a tangent because at one point um i even forget oh it, it's that woman who's i forget her name who's being interviewed or think she's mm-hmm. still being interviewed and she's going and they're i mean they got bags over the head so the panels are all black just with captions and dialogue and sound effects and she's talking to her captors and her her about to be boss just about the difficulties of if you screw up the uh the bun order for the restaurant <laughs> yeah. and all the different kinds of buns and that's the one that made me think of jeff you know doing orders for the shop and you got to get the right number of buns and <laughs> the different kinds of buns Colin and how buns. many and how many of each bun and if you mess it up it fucks up the whole store and takes things off the menu and you, you could really damage the business <laughs> yep. and this is all happening while they're you know being kidnapped and i loved it I just loved it because like, wow, huh? Yeah, it's just like comics. I never thought about that with hot dog or fast food buns. (laughs) I mean, it's yeah, like, you know, we have so many things in our store that that we can take for granted. But also, I think on some level, we all know we have a super weird industry and there are things (laughs) that nobody who's not behind that counter would ever think would be something that you have to take into account. And I thought that this did a really good job of telling you a lot of the things in a restaurant that are similar. Because that bun thing actually comes back later on Mm -hmm. with different characters. They're still having bun (laughs) problems, which is, you know, like I could probably talk for 45 minutes with another store about what a pain in the ass it is when you have supply shortages for bags and boards. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I, I... I think it's funny and the the like the joke of the restaurant being called Burger Lord just <laughs> just keeps being funny to me. Yeah, and I swear <laughs> they keep on adding I didn't notice it so much in the first issue, but this issue they mentioned some of the specials like the Holy Trinity special and everything. And I was like, wait, I don't <laughs> there's just <laughs> more about the menu we're finding out. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I think it's really well done. I think it it is uh it is daunting. I I I got one page into it yesterday i was like i'm gonna do this one tomorrow uh because it's it's a lot of a lot of words but they pay off you know like you were saying like he's that the thing the the long story that he tells when they first get kidnapped just like what the fuck does this have to do with anything and then the the payoff for it i think is pretty good yeah yeah (laughs) that it does it yeah i love it there's not a wasted word so oh yeah go ahead oh i was just gonna say even later when they're still in the same situation and she's talking about cleaning the grease trap or something and even goes as far as mentioning is it is it the McKee, McKee mechanical method or the Fuchs elbow grease method <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's just like we're gonna die what the- <laughs> uh do you guys know why we're getting things like this and uh dark spaces from idw right now it's because the person that started after shock went there. No, that's black. Black label. The that's two people who were behind black label got canned from DC and have ended up at IDW. And they're so far, I'm pretty impressed with these IDW originals that they're doing. Yeah. It's almost and that, like Vertigo that style. Black label connection makes sense why they would have been able to get Scott Snyder in on something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. That's I'd give this one an eight and a half. Uh, yeah. I gave it an eight. I would actually be high, higher, but I'm not. And the art for me, the art's okay, but I wish it was a little more. I don't know, a little more detailed. Yeah, yeah, slightly better art. I'm going to revise mine to 8.666. Ha, I like <laughs> you and I get what get you're it? doing. Get it? Satan joke. Uh, I, I love got a you Satan guys joke. a Satan joke for Christmas. Oh, hey, can I ask a question to you guys? Yeah. What is Love Everlasting number two? What is going on in this book? What it's is a lie. What is going on? What is this book? 
I thought I had an idea after issue number one, and then it kind of changed formula in issue number two here. Yeah. What is what is this book? I think she's a a time traveler, but with comic. But like it wasn't her. And then she got body swapped two thirds of the way through. No, I think she was just doing a really good job of pretending. Right. Do you think so? Did I miss something? I might have missed something. Now I'm wondering if I miss. I th- yeah, I thought she was she was basically doing the uh, the Bruce Wayne thing, like traveling forward through time through her different bodies and and ancestors. But she, yeah, her th- narration did seem to be legit until near the end, right? Yeah, there was like a very abrupt, out of nowhere page change where he says "marry me," and I don't know. I wish I had an issue number one around me to see if that's a trigger word somewhere. I've got one right uh, here. But then on the next page, the next panel is no. And she's totally different from there on out for the rest of the series or the rest like, of the issue. No, it's it's not. And yeah, it didn't follow that theme where she's in love with George the whole time. That Because that first issue, eventually she fell in love. Like she realized that she loves George. I got the feeling that like in that first one, we're following the first person of this perspective, jumping through stories and time. Okay. And in this one, it felt like we were in the perspective of a body that she was going to be jumping into for the first two thirds. Okay. And then all of the sudden, when he was like, marry me, she then became this other person and she's fucking shooting guns and doing stuff. But I could be totally wrong, but it just seemed like she genuinely seemed like this person who loved this guy and wanted to marry him until all of the sudden... She's not. And it seemed like a different person at that point. And she's like, her language has changed. She didn't use the word yep. fuck at all up until that point. And then she uses it a lot. That that read also makes sense to me. Interesting. I just, I I finished it and I was like, I, I'm not trying to be the one who knows. I wanted to talk to you guys and have somebody know what's going on. Because I don't really, two issues in, this also was coming out on Substack. So I'm not sure how this was published. Because these are each three chapters. Each of these two issues have been. So did they did they come out like every two weeks? You got one of the three. And then like two weeks later, you got another one. Like, right. I don't, I don't know what this is. But that being said, I thought that the relationship part, until it drastically changed... Uh-huh. was actually very compelling for me. I was like, I love a, a schmaltzy romance um, more so, you know, like maybe that's more my crime. Jane goes, is to crime what Jeff is to like melodra- melodrama. <laughs> um, Roman, where, where are you at? What do you, what do you think? What was your read? I don't know. God, either one of those reads works. I mean, I thought, I thought that that point where she changes after the, after he pops the question, I took it as, as she was, Whoever she is, traveling through time or whatever, I I took it as she was like, I don't know, coming, no judgment on love, but she was coming to her senses and realizing that, you know, love is a lie and she's going to get back to whatever she's, her mission is or whatever with this cowboy coming after her through different realities or different time periods. I mean, um, but I don't know. That, yeah. that, that, that's kind of in line with it. Yeah. Like something happened to trigger a change in personality or realization. It's not know, a callback like, to number one. And then all of a sudden this cowboy is here and there does seem to be this continuing story there. But as for how it's going, how it's being woven through these other eras and narratives, I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I know less now than I did after finishing issue one. <laughs> she, That's so true. In issue one, there's a, there's a panel where the, the square box says they were so different from George's lips and then she says in her word balloons, wait, who's George? I've never kissed George. I don't, I didn't marry George. So like she's interacting with the comic in a way that characters don't. Yeah, like you know, she's like being maybe dropped Deadpool into these. That, but. Yeah, like 
all of the sudden she's realizing like what the fuck yeah like like roman said you know like i i felt like we spent two-thirds of this issue with the person before the flip is switched and i think the first issue we spent with the person as the flip the switch gets flipped each time yeah i i don't know but i'm 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 in for the ride i like how weird it is and also just how earnest it is until it gets weird yeah i really liked how earnest this one was roman so then so then roman outside of how confused we are did you like the journey of reading this issue oh yeah oh yeah for sure i'm still liking the series a lot i gave it a i gave it an eight yeah i gave it an 8.5 i really liked it it is confusing but i i really liked how much it feels like it's harking back to those like Kirby, Simon, mm-hmm. you know, like those comics covers that you see. Um, but I also thought it was really well written. It was all of a sudden I was like, I'm watching Bridgerton. I feel like I'm watching Bridgerton all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give it an eight and a half too. Yeah. Tom and King. Can, and I can help but wonder if, if this, if the cowboy in here is going to have any connections to the cowboy over an ice cream man. Ooh. Hey, Django, do you see that cowboy in the first issue? Yeah. He's okay. He, he oh. shows up. He's, Somebody who was chasing her across the desert in the final okay. page. Story. I just I feel like the cowboy made sense to be in that desert thing beforehand, whereas in this it was like, wait, why is a cowboy here now? You know, I think so that, he's that... I think he's following her right. through stories. Right, right, which yeah. I which I, I, I totally agree. But yeah, it it didn't real seem like it stood out until being in a genre where it wasn't fitting in, like in this one. So yeah. Um yeah, Tom King, you keep doing different stuff. I keep you keep almost trying to get me to not like it. It's almost like you're trying to be like, well, what if I do this? Will they like this? And it's like, yeah, every time you do, it's really good, bud. You know what's interesting about this? No, I think it's the weirdest thing he's done, right? Because all the other stories that we've read, we have thought were going somewhere much more wackadoo than they actually did, right? So like we were thinking, Mr. Miracle, oh, this is this is clearly Death a dream. Yeah, and, and like it's the lump is the baby. And like we had all these all yeah. these ideas. And then it just turned out that like, no, this is just a fucked up thing that happens to some people. And then the same thing with uh Strange Adventures kind of Strange Adventures were like, oh, there's no way he did this. Yeah. Like normally he's very clear and straightforward and he's just telling you a grounded story and we read into it more than that. But this is not a grounded story. Yeah, that's a good point. It's interesting. I I agree. I think it might be his weirdest thing that he's done. Um, Okay, well, let's wrap this all up kind of Ouroboros Clerks 3 style with the Kevin Smith book, which references the question that Will had asked, which references several days ago when Will and Django and I went and saw that movie. And the cover references the very first Superman story. Oh, yeah. The bottom corner there. It's got the dude with his hands on his head. Oh, yeah, it's, it does. I didn't <laughs> I notice that, that, but that's totally the same guy. Yeah, that's good. Well done. Oh, I got to um, put him on a poster for something. Yeah, he's got to be a guy that's... <laughs> we everything. should blow him up window size and put him in the store. That'd be fun. Uh, <laughs> I like your jokes, Django. Um, Masquerade by Kevin Smith. Script by Kevin Smith. Plot by Kevin Smith and Andy McHellfresh, I believe. And then we got some other credits in here. Art by John Spengelmeyer. Colors, Julio Brusco. Um, Django, guide us through this. Oh, much like the recent Brian Posehn joint. Was it Brian Posehn? No, Patton Oswalt. Oswalt. Yeah. Much like the recent Patton Oswalt joke, we've got OK Art telling us a story about a fucked up city that's a little bit in the future and the people who live there. Um, this had the worst panel I've ever seen drawn in a professional comic book, I think. <laughs> really? Wow. Um, but it also it also had some some kind of interesting... <laughs> Jango also this one, though. <laughs> well, okay. So, yeah. So... 
so this it's about a city that was supposed to become like the next cool vacation place but it just got it turned into a real bummer and uh now they call it the shitty city by the bay and the locals just call it the trench and uh it's not just like a lights turned off fucked up blade runner city because we see other other things that aren't the underbelly of it which i, I thought that was an interesting part of the thing because usually comics just are like this city's bad and every single shred of it is worse than the worst part of gotham and we have like shiny uh shiny cabs and weirdo art sculptures but this uh rich dude who hired a prostitute and is mistreating her gets captured by a woman who has like a, a suit that lets her scan his face and put her own face on there and the the second worst panel that's ever been drawn in a professional <laughs> comic book i was able to excuse because i think that she has like a giant helmet on and his face is being projected on that helmet so like i made the i made the excuse that this technology is a little wonky uh, i don't know that anybody else thought i don't think that the creators thought that through i don't know man <laughs> i wonder except she's taking the helmet off yeah so it's not being projected on the helmet oh you're right yep <laughs> second worst <laughs> panel in a professional comic book ever drawn <laughs> so it's Roman weird would... like i followed the story i guess i followed it yeah 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 <laughs> roman do you have anything to it's, say about it's... it I, I, I yeah i mean same thing i i i whatever my store my whatever my scores revealed to be i would have given it higher if it had been had better art yeah that's but I, I think that's big hold up yeah but i like the story i mean i like it's kind of used some elements from dc's the question except in a more high-tech way and mm. and that that's interesting um i like the reveal yeah. at the end uh wait the reveal uh, at the end is someone taking their mask off and they're just a person that we've never well, met before well again this, so. this well i thought it was the celebrity at the beginning it's yeah felicia dance uh, the one on the yeah. first page i thought okay. it was her except she's all scarred up okay I, yeah i think it's her same yeah, no, yeah you're, same you're haircut totally right. yeah yeah you're totally right that that makes a lot more sense it's just kind of well like you said more points if the art is better yeah yeah it's but like I, shitty chip zadarsky <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> shitty zadarsky but we got to see Jennifer Aniston in a comic book, and I have a deep, deep crush on Jennifer Aniston. So Wait, that was where? Nice. Who was Jennifer oh, Aniston? It's just like page four, um, right there, Rowan. It's, it's page it's one. One hundred percent, Jennifer Aniston. Oh, yeah. Now you say that. Okay, yeah. That's obviously, <laughs> the worst photo reference of a Jennifer Aniston picture <laughs> I've ever seen. Okay, so art aside, what did you guys think of the writing? Did it feel like Kevin Smith to you, or did it feel like maybe Kevin loaned his name to Andy McElfresh? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I didn't think anything specifically Kevin Smith. Yeah, I thought it had a little bit of the like type of kevin smith i don't love which is sometimes i mean i love kevin smith i do think totally for sure sometimes like his films or whatever feel like really clever dialogue he came up with in the shower and then like yeah. could hear two people saying to each other and so it either goes in a comic or it goes in a movie or something and sometimes that works really really well and sometimes it doesn't if the actors are perfect that can work really well if the art is great it can work really well but there were times in here where it felt a little bit like all right we got a cute back and forth like i love kevin smith but sometimes maybe he can get a little bit enamored with his ability to do cute back and forths in the same way that like bendis yeah. can and i love bendis um and this had a couple moments of just like okay like you like you like writing 
banter and yeah. that that's fine um but that that was the only really kevin smithy part to me like the actual plot itself and story felt not super like something i would associate with him yeah yeah i mean i i don't think it's a terrible comic i just don't know that it it just feels like another near future dark horse comic. i was yeah it, it feels like feel another special kind of mediocre dark horse comic i gave it 6.0 it feels right in line with that pat and oswald boy book. yeah that's a that's a good yeah when's x gonna show up yeah 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 <laughs> i think it's better than uh like a mediocre near future dark horse comic is better than a mediocre near future idw comic i'm gonna give this a six and a half i gave it a 7.5 oh wow roman in here with the kevin smith love Did you see the panel i was talking about though roman well okay yeah when i look at <laughs> no, it, I, I don't want to ruin i don't want to shit in your cheerios and uh, maybe you it's maybe milk. a seven <laughs> aha jokes on you i don't use milk and i'm still not because it's shit <laughs> i walked into a gas station yesterday wearing a new york jets jersey and i tried to buy some beer and i was like hey man how's it going he didn't say anything to you when i handed him my id he wouldn't talk to me got halfway through paying and then he went i'm just trying to figure out what box of cheerios you got that jersey out of <laughs> and i was like oh you're not a fan of the jets <laughs> and i was like yeah well, I went out and ate dinner at Buffalo Wild Wings and watched Thursday Night Football. I'm a pretty big Seahawks fan. I was like wearing a Seahawks hat. He's like, oh, yeah, Thursday Night Football. And then like asked me some questions. And I was like, OK, well, clearly only one of us fucking actually watches a lot of football in this fucking conversation. <laughs> so you can go fuck yourself, guy. Um, uh, Django, on that note, you got 90 seconds. Go. Oh, God, I read A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, which is the final issue. It's number 11. That's a weird number to end things on. I think it's a little bit oversized. The art is amazing. It it jumps way forward. It's, it's, it's an interesting ending. It's also the only comic of Rick Remenders, I think, that I've reached the end of. Uh, I read the 06 Protocol from Lee Turner and Cliff Richards and Aftershock. Um, this one had an interesting setup, and I think I want to keep reading it. I, I like Aftershock pretty well. This is pretty solid art, and the setup is like Jason Bourne but perverted in some really interesting ways. I also read the backup story in Dark Crisis, Worlds Without a Justice League, Wonder Woman, number one by Dan Waters and Peterson. That was really good, uh, Brandon Peterson. It's, it's what Martian Manhunter's deepest desire for a world to be in would be if he was in the B and, and Wood world be in it. And uh, it's Cthulian and crime noir and just just really, really well done. Uh, I actually sent a message to Dan Waters telling him that it was it was one of the, the high points of that storyline right now. I also read Sergeant Werewolf, but Roman will probably talk about that. Um, yeah. Hey, Jenga. Hey, uh, Righteous Thirst. I'm going to give that issue an eight and a half. I'm going to give the series a nine and a half. Super cool. Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman. I'm going to give that story a 10. 06 Protocol. I'm going to give uh, seven and a half. And I think that's all I talked about. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You guys have any questions, uh, comments? No, I'm trying to like ignore people talking about Righteous Thirst for Vengeance because I am excited to finish that book. Uh, I gave you no spoilers. Nice. Yeah, well, I, I toned you out. I tuned you out, toned you out. Man, I got to read that uh, Martian Manhunter story. That sounds cool. Yeah, and I said 10 in the heat of the moment. I'm going to stand by it. It's pretty do, short to get a do, 10. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Is that a sports I never thing? meant to be so bad to you. Do, do, do. <laughs> One thing I said that I would never do. do, do, do. One look from you and I would fall from grace. Do, I don't know. Do, do. Shh. 
And I would wipe the smile right from my face. It was the heat of the moment. Oh, I get it. Making well, we got you it a long time ago. Book a ten. <laughs> heat of the moment. Django, my friend. Uh, Jeff, you got a minute thirty. I started. Uh, I'm going to do it differently. <laughs> X Men '92, number five of five. This was really good. It brought that whole X Men '92 thing to an end, where they retold all of the Hickman stuff in this really fun '90s esque way. So playful. I hope they bring it back. Fun things like going back to the early '90s. Like there's a full page. It's like Nimrod upgrades startup wizard. Choose the features that you want his repulsor blast to be. It's like a '90s <laughs> Windows computer. That was great. Daredevil number three, the Chip Zdarsky run, Phil and Art on this one. I'm not digging this portion of his run nearly as much as anything that came before it. It does just, it feels kind of disjointed and weird. I don't know if the Phil and Art did that. I'm not sure. Amazing Spider-Man number nine. Liked this, although poorly timed. This was a tie into the gala thing that happened over a month ago, but it's mostly kind of about Peter and Mary Jane, and it ends with kind of reestablishing that they are broken up and she's not happy with him. Bloodborne Lady of the Lanterns number two. Peter Kowalski is a great artist. I think he's doing something really interesting with his art in this because he's doing it's very detailed and very liney and also very quick, a la like a John Paul Leone or something. It's very uh, great storytelling. It's both detailed and not detailed. Also, if it's, it's Bloodborne, if you like Bloodborne, it's going to be really, really good. And then Avengers X-Men Eternals Judgment Day number four, Kieran Gillen. This series is good. I like it. I wonder if Roman likes it. I thought that the end of this issue was really well done um there's a reveal there's a cool thing that happens in it that makes sense of the political world that he's been writing a little wordy and political at times but it's actually i think really 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 good wait what was that last one uh judgment day the main issue of like judgment day issue four the main issue of that series oh yeah yeah there's a great reveal at the end where like the celestial decides thumbs down on humanity. And like, there's just this shot of captain America holding like one body under his shield while everyone is burnt alive around him. And he's like, we're wow. going to die. It's like a really, really good shot. And captain America looks scared and he's just like failing the people around him and they're dying in his arms. Yeah. The stuff with cap and the stuff with uh, arrows, I thought were the best things about that issue. And I like the Uranus thing. And then I like that, like, uh, there's the uni mind and. Oh, yeah. And it's democracy. Weaponized. Yeah, it's a weaponized thing, but like, it's also a democracy. So like, which eternal gets to rule it and like the bad Druig has had the most votes for it forever. But because on the entire thesis of them wanting to kill the mutants, it's that they are deviants and therefore eternals. Like so, they are therefore part of the Unimind democracy. So the mutants are bought, brought in, and then it changes the de democratic vote in favor of Eros. And I was like, oh, that's a cool kind of Game of Thrones political yeah. way of dealing with this situation, not yeah. with just big fights. So I like that. Um, I gave uh, Judgment Day an eight point oh. I gave Daredevil three a seven point five. I Who's gave drawing that. Uh, it was a fill-in art, and it was by Del Tor De La Torre. Okay. Um, art was it was uh, Rafael De La Torre. Um, X Men '92. I gave an 8.0. Bloodborne a 7.5. Uh, ASM 7.5. I also read Iron Man number 23, and I gave that a 5.5. Didn't talk about it. Braden said something about that Daredevil issue when they came into work the other day, and um, they said was that it? I think it was Braden. Yeah, was it positive or negative? Well. 
Brayden said, that's the number one that I thought number one would be. Hmm. So I don't know if I, I didn't read it, but Brayden felt like it was a better jumping on point than uh, than number one and two were. Yeah, number one I and two that. dealt with this weird character that now is not there. And then this one basically was like, you remember all those storylines we brought up in Devil's Reign Omega? They were kind of like goodbyes for Daredevil going to do a thing. He then touched base on those Omegas. So I could see that, okay. but I also still feel like it was pretty... The art was not great. It would have felt weird to drop in with that art as the main thing. Maybe the story was, it it was just, it's weird. I I think it's a, there's a weird large shift that happened in the story of that run after Devil's Reign. And I haven't really gotten recalibrated since then. I wonder if Roman has 90 seconds go. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. Um, I did. Yeah. I also read Rich Woodall's Sergeant Werewolf, which kind of what I expected. Unfortunately, it was a cool idea, but. And the arts, yeah, there's some wild stuff in it, but it didn't, it wasn't wild enough. Um, huh. there's a, but there's Roman a Nazi Statler story, but there's a Nazi vampire, and you know, our sergeant becomes a werewolf through a funky means. But there's not enough. I mean, once he's a werewolf, he doesn't do enough werewolf type things, he's just like a he GI, survives. but Thor's <laughs> in it, and you know, there's there's a Nazi woman with an eye patch that's pretty mean that's um, pretty good yeah i read lovecraft unknown kadath which is kind of a loose adaptation i think maybe of uh the story the dream quest of unknown kadath by um hp lovecraft with a little bit of cats of ulther thrown in Ooh. and the first third page it starts off as an homage to uh little nemo in in wonderland <laughs> so it's pretty cool i mean the art's neat um follows randolph carter just like those original stories did and Curious to see where it goes. There's some really cool, weird, Lovecraftian stuff, as it should be. Red Star Trek Lower Decks, number one, which was a lot of fun. If you're a fan of the show, you'll like this comic. They really captured it well. It's written by Ryan North of Squirrel Girl fame and other things. Um, and it, Oh, it was a lot of fun. And I was going to say that I also read that uh, Judgment Day. Ooh, and and, and yeah, you know, I like that, too, the political social stratifications they're getting into with the eternals and the deviants and the stuff the unimind yeah that's that was amazing they've never done that before with the unimind in fact even having it having like a, a war form we've never seen that before roman did you watch game of thrones i've i've never finished it <laughs> okay well it, it, I, I bring it up just because that series has reminded me of game of thrones at multiple times but particularly like his eternals run specifically does in that Eternals and Game of Thrones both seemed like they had this giant historical mythos that was like trying to climb Mm -hmm. Mount Everest to understand all of. And that television show and this run, Kieran Gillen's run, have both done a good job of kind of like making me feel like I know enough to be able to appreciate political machination. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't feel like I know enough about the Eternals overtly, but he's dumbing down certain aspects of it and allowing me to feel a part of it in a way that I feel like is pretty cool. Just, I've never felt super able to be a part of the Eternals storyline in general. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. There's other stuff the issue I didn't care about, but, and the other thing I like about it is that uh, bringing back Eros, Thanos, Thanos's Thanos brother. And he looks the most interesting he he's ever looked because before, like when he was in the Avengers, he looked, just looked like a ginger typical now he's like hot guy. and androgynous. Yeah, now he's hot and androgynous, which <laughs> is his character should be. I mean, he appeals to everybody because that's his power. And I'm looking forward to the one shot coming up. I think it's just a one shot about yeah. him in Judgment Day and everything because they're finally doing some interesting things with him. And what was it that had the Little Nemo intro? Oh, the uh, the Lovecraft Unknown Kadath. Oh, nice. 
Did it look Probably. good? Because I'm a huge fan of Barry Windsor McKay's art. It did. It's it's just that first page is is. <laughs> hey, are you kidding? That, good was one, only, Jeffrey. that was the only reason I brought it up. I had to write the note down of Barry Windsor McKay on my notes because I oh. thought that was pretty clever. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I well, am a fan of Barry Windsor, or sorry, Windsor, Windsor McKay's art. There was I was uh, pricing up Batman comics for Batman Day. We just bought two collections that are so many Batman comics. And I've priced up four or five short boxes of Batman in the last two days. And uh, one of them is like late 90s, early, early 90s, I guess. And it's Batman and Nocturna, I believe is her name. And it's a kid on a bed that has legs. And it's it's absolutely a... Uh, oh, yeah. If it's a kid with a, a, a bed with legs. Yeah. 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 We should cut that out. That was a really boring way to get to a boring place. Hey, Roman, did <laughs> hey, you get your scores in there? I, I, I didn't. Um Thanks, Django. Yeah, I think we got yeah, back to yeah. scores, yeah. Roman. You like that? God, I don't even like remember that? what my scores were now. I'm so hey, one time I read a thing yeah. too. It was <laughs> no, just the even... cover. I didn't even read it. <laughs> All I can think of now is legs with bed, beds with legs. You uh, can't get to my Barry Windsor McKay bit, Django. No. Try all you want. No, no. Un- Unknown Kadath, I gave 7.5. French differences. Sergeant Werewolf, I gave a 7, which may be a little bit more than it deserves, but you know, I love werewolves. Um, Werewolves, a vampire, yeah, I like a vampire. Nude boys, naked wolves, robot Nazi, robot Nazi robot, naked wolf boy. <laughs> you uh, know what werewolves are, bro? Man. Yeah, they're boys naked <laughs> and, and girls. That's a werewolfine. That's a werewolfine. <laughs> a different thing entirely. Jugs, air jugs. Wolfy hair jugs. Sorry, I want your scores. Ow! Uh, Ow! I gave I gave most of them lower decks. Number one, I gave an eight. Wow! And I guess Judgment Day number four, I gave a seven. But okay. maybe actually, maybe I'll give that an eight because talking about the politics and everything of it, yeah, that, that makes me think more highly of it. Also, they've made me afraid of Uranus. Django, I shut up. Wish you would shut up. Yeah, Uranus. I don't know Uranus, Uranus. You know, whatever. I think that he's it's terrifying. I'm more afraid of him than like a Thanos character. I think they've done a really good job of like even the people who are his captors are afraid of him and he gets let out, but they capture him back up. Like I, I like that character. Roman, has he been in other stuff? Are there stories with him that are, like he's, he's scary? He's, he's he's been around before, but I can't remember him ever being this scary. Yeah, he's a spooky guy. Yeah, I think before he always seemed like a I don't know a second rate Thanos. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of lower decks. Yeah. No poop. It's a poop thing. Oh, it is. Oh, said it. It's no, going to be a no, poop that's thing. An upper decker. That's an upper decker. You guys. Okay. I just okay. wanted to see if Roman's been watching the Orville because I just started. No. I'm like seven or eight episodes into the third season. Still it's only you and Darren Newman. So, so good. It's really? So good. I, that's a... I, I'm not a Star Trek guy, uh, but if Star Trek was like this, I would be a star trek guy and maybe it's just because they give like it's all very familiar like there there are definitely not klingons in the show but they are definitely klingons in the show <laughs> um and data is an actual robot looking robot instead of uh human looking robot and it, like it, it hits a lot of star trek notes but i like it a thousand times more than i've liked anything star trek before and they're they're hitting a lot Sacrilege. of really interesting social issues 
through the lens of space aliens and um yeah like there's there's trump is in there trans people are in there all through different alien races and it's it's like insidiously good i'll have to, I'll have to give it another try because i watched like the first two episodes of season one back when it came out and it's, i didn't, it's I didn't maybe, care it's maybe four or five episodes before it stops being an episode of family guy like live action family guy because <laughs> yeah. it's the first few are very seth MacFarlane funny and then eventually it turns into seth MacFarlane like like laser targeted social commentary in a, in a really really heartfelt way roman Can't... i've i've heard that it's some of the best current star trek that's coming out from other people <laughs> so i i, I that's <laughs> one of the reasons except for, I was strange, talking... except for strange new worlds well, and lower decks i heard that also before stranger worlds started uh, frankly oh, so okay. but, but but that's but, why i was asking you and colette about it recently because I, I really have actually heard nothing but great stuff about the sort of more modern ports of the the orville mm-hmm. hmm. i want django is it is it good enough that seth you can watch seth mcfarlane and not just start laughing because yeah. he's a yeah that, it, that was one of my problems every time i see a still shot from him i'm like <laughs> steph, steph Lord, what a dork it, t- it takes a few episodes to stop being dick and butt jokes hmm. And I, I, like, I'm confident that our podcast is going to move away from that at some point too. Not until um, we get rid of Django. <laughs> but they didn't have to. Oh wow, Roman, that was the most <laughs> honest <laughs> laugh I've ever heard you have. <laughs> hey, so listen, funny. listen. It's their fresh differences. We all have a different viewpoint, and we put these triangular heads together. We make something beautiful. That's right. That's right. We're a like, bunch uh, of pinheads. I got nothing. <laughs> I'm out of differences. On that Fresh note, out. you can get us an email at jeff at the comicsplace.com. I was just with my mom recently. She still has had jeff at comicsplace.com saved in her email, <laughs> like autofill thing. Don't be oh. Jeff's mom. So don't be Jeff's mom. <laughs> Write an email to jeff at the comicsplace.com because we want to hear from you. I assume there's a lot of emails going to jeff at comicsplace.com. Thank you, Will, for figuring out how to send it correctly. Thank you, Andrew, for editing this thing every week. Um, I'm going to be honest, everyone. I'm moving over the next week and I'm going to Spokane to get a tattoo. I can't guarantee I'll be here next week, which means we may or may not do a podcast. Oh, I don't know. A fucking podcast. Okay, cool. Hell yeah. They're going to do it without me. I'll be, I'll be out. So I will miss everyone, but I can't wait to listen to it. Um, and uh, I'll have to make sure Django has access to my email. For oh, questions and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Wow, what a, gross, what a gross last couple of minutes to this thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what's your what's your email going to be? What's your tattoo going to be? Did I not it's tell gonna you? It's going to be his email address <laughs> with the in all caps. Did I not show you, Roman? I can't remember. I don't. It's know. from our old friend James Fernara, who used to work mm. here, or sorry, work oh. in Bellingham and come oh, to our yeah. store. So I'm going yeah, to Spokane yeah. to do it for him. He's done and a tattoo a, on me. It's a giant Frank quietly flex mentalo that's going to be up my oh, leg. Oh yeah, okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, um I'll be getting that next week. Oh, which uh, leg? Left. Okay. Oh, I was I, I was just going to say my my gorgeous James tattoo was on my right. Oh yeah, he did your uh your blue elephant guy. I forget you yeah. had that cuz you wear pants so often. Do you yeah. think that he would tattoo like an outline on my arm and then the texture it would take to make it look like Frank quietly drew it? No, I want it to be Jonathan Sherman texture. Okay, I would do that just, too. <laughs> just, just lots of little yeah. painful stripes. Yeah. 
Um, thanks so much for hanging out with us, everybody. We love each other and we love you almost as much as we love each other. Um, we'll be here next week for episode 285. We'll miss you. Love you. Come hang out with us. Hey, Django, what are we going to be doing on October 1st and 2nd? Sorry, thank you. Again. Oh, dude, October 1st and 2nd, we're having our 40th anniversary party. Uh, at the bare minimum, we're going to have a prize wheel. We're going to have some four or people... five local creators next door. Some local creators. We're going to have a great giveaways. back issue sale. We're going to have some giveaways. We're going to have uh, people from the Comics Place past and present in there. Pro like, depending on who shows up, maybe some people from the Comics Place future. Yeah. Um, we're going to, we're just going to. Logan have a... and Ashton own the store. Yeah. Yeah. Flash forward. It's going to be issue 11. 2043 when Logan and Ashton are the two that own the store and have their own employees and stuff. You think they'll change the name by then? I hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, everybody should make uh, save save the dates, if you yeah. will. Um, and in the meantime, uh, like I said, I'll be moving. So pray for the strength of my back and my legs because it's small to begin with and it's tapped even now. And my neck, which I broke Your neck, years your ago. back to the windows, to the walls. My legs. Pray for your legs snacks. and all the balls. Uh, ew. Um, thanks for hanging out with us. I hope my mom's still here listening. I love God everyone. damn it. I forget that your mom listens to this. <laughs> yeah, when are we going to get, get your mom in here? <laughs> Never. Maybe I'll start sending old emails to old M. Boren. <laughs> uh, Mama Boren, you could say. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, hey, we'll see you all next week for 286 or whatever. Um, thanks for hanging out. Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm Jacob. I'm Roman. No, you. Yeah. Uh, you wanna? You okay? You go. I'm Jeff. Roman. I thought you were talking to me. Sorry. I was talking to Roman. Okay. Oh, I'm Sam. No, I'm that's Jeff. my fiance. We're engaged. Are you and oh. I engaged? No, sorry, that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. He's Jeff. I'm, hey, sorry. I'm Jeff. No, wait. Sorry. Okay, wait. Django, yeah, just okay. a second. Don't don't say anything. Give me one. Okay. One, two, three. I'm Jeff. I'm Roman. I'm Jeff. Oh. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> were you gonna be Sean? I could be. I I'm not. I love Sean. I, I'm Roman. Django, Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> See you next week.